It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 11th, 2019. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk all about the Magic's 109-102 loss to the Indiana Pacers. We'll then also talk a little bit about how the Magic are still trying to find themselves in this early part of the season and find their way to play and why that's the big thing that's holding them back and perhaps discuss a little bit about who or what is holding them back on that front. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you'd expect from a local expert who knows their team best. Want to look, get the Indiana perspective on Sunday's game? Check out Locked On Pacers. Want to look ahead to the Magic's game against the Philadelphia 76ers? Check out Locked On 76ers. Plus, we have great national podcasts including Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, and the Duncan and Hollinger NBA podcast, a weekly podcast from Nate Duncan and John Hollinger. You can find all these great podcasts wherever you download podcasts, plus NFL, MLB, college, and NHL podcasts too. Download them today. Remember the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. For the first half of basketball on Sunday, the Orlando Magic looked as good as they've looked offensively all season. They made three-pointers. Shocker. Big shocker, actually. And that loosened everything up. They could move the ball quickly around the perimeter to the open man. They could drive into the paint. They were just able to do everything so freely and without thought. And they scored 60 points in the first half. It didn't matter that they gave up 51 because the 60 points, back-to-back 60-point halves now between the Memphis game and the, and the Indiana game, Orlando's offense was moving and it allowed them to maybe make a few mistakes defensively. Unfortunately, that was the bet the Pacers were willing to make. If the Pacers were willing to make a bet in this game, it was that they could continue to be consistent attacking Orlando's defense, attacking their drop coverages in pick and rolls, and just set solid screens and just be solid on the offensive end, and eventually Orlando would start missing. And eventually they'd be able to tighten things up defensively and keep Orlando from that ball movement, from that play that make that made the Magic so dangerous. And it was a risk. It was a risky bet because the Magic can be a pretty good offensive team when they want to be. But that bet paid off. Throughout the entire game, it wasn't just the second half, but throughout the entire game, Indiana was able to get into the lane. They were able to come around screens free for open mid-range jumpers. They were able to get themselves easy scoring opportunities, or relatively easy scoring opportunities. Shots that maybe the Magic were okay with them taking, but for them were high-efficiency shots. And then when they were able to get to the lane, They're able to dish it out to open players, either on the perimeter and mid-range, at the basket, or yes, at the three-point line when the time came for it. 
Indiana was just steady throughout the game. There's never any wavering in their sort of intensity. And yeah, sometimes the Magic did get them stuck because the Magic are still a good defensive team. But they found a little weakness in Orlando's defense and they exploited it throughout the entire game. The Pacers were feasting on mid-range jumpers and were highly efficient in doing so. They end up shooting 52.2% for the game. And despite trailing by nine at halftime, they went on a 12-0 run in holding Orlando to 17 points in the third quarter. It's a telltale quarter, a 30-17 quarter for Indiana, which gave them full control of the game for the rest of the time. Orlando got stuck again. Their offense stagnated. It's way too much dribbling. Not enough passing. Not enough player movement. And yeah, some of those open shots stopped falling. Orlando's effort was there. And certainly when as the game got closer to an end, the urgency picked up. And the Magic had many responses. But were never able to make a full push. A full uh, you know, drive to get back control of this game. They couldn't string enough shots together. And more importantly, in an odd twist for this Magic team, they couldn't string enough stops together. The Pacers weren't parading to the line. They weren't parading to the basket even. Or, or Indiana with 48 points in the paint and only three fast break points. So Orlando, they weren't fouling. They weren't, you know, Orlando did a lot of things well in this game. But their defense just wasn't in tune. And so Indiana was able to hit shots. Whatever mistakes the Magic did make, it didn't end up in fast break opportunities, but Indiana took advantage of them. 11 turnovers for 20 fast break points. Orlando wasn't able to swarm and make Indiana's offense difficult. They ran their offense the way they normally would. The team just wasn't able to pick up the pick and roll. They weren't able to press up and get stops when they absolutely needed them. This was a game that was about shot making. I, you know, I watched the game a second time and you know, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought on the first watch. It just came down to the Magic, you know, had a really bad third quarter offensively where they got stuck and they couldn't they, they stopped moving the ball. They did better at it in the fourth quarter, but they didn't make the shots they made in the first half. And so it came down to their defense. And on Sunday night, their defense let them down. On Sunday night, the defense wasn't there to pick up this Magic team. On Sunday night, the Magic, the Pacers were able to walk into the shots that they wanted or were willing to take, and they made a lot of them. Again, 52.2% field goal shooting. It's really, really good against this Magic defense. Only two player, only three players on the entire Pacers team shot worse than 50%. We're talking Aaron Holiday at 4 for 9 or TJ Leaf at 1 for 5 or Elise Johnson at 0 for 1. All their primary players made baskets. And with this team being selective about their three-point shooting, that kept Orlando in the game maybe longer than it might have against another team. The Magic's defense was not good. They were not physical enough. They did not stay attached to hip to, to anyone's hips. They got beat up in pick and rolls all night long. Nikola Vucevic dropped, and that's what he's supposed to do, but probably dropped too far and didn't challenge mid-range shots effectively. Didn't keep his hands up, didn't at least make the defender, the, the, uh, the shooter think that a challenge was coming or that 
that he was coming to attack him. His hands were down. And players were able to kind of parade and step into mid-range numbers. Again, maybe that's the shot the Magic wanted them to take. Maybe the bet for the Magic was they were going to bet that Indiana would not settle for mid-range jumpers all game long. That they weren't going to just be satisfied taking those shots. And as long as they had a basic contest, which again, I don't think they did. I think the defense was really poor in this game. And as long as they had a basic contest, they would miss enough of them that Orlando would be able to get out in transition, no long rebounds again off of off, without three-pointers, and score enough to win the game. That bet didn't play out. And so Indiana walked out of Orlando with a win. A 109-102 win that probably wasn't as close as the final score indicates. Orlando made a nice run to, to really threaten, to make it a little bit interesting in the final minutes. But again, the Magic's urgency just came a little too late. It felt like throughout much of the second half, Orlando went through the motions. Maybe that's being a little too unfair, but it felt like Orlando was was trying to force things instead of playing naturally through the offense, or individuals were trying to do too much again, certainly off the dribble instead of through the pass or through the pick and rolls. And this is where the Magic's offense gets stuck. And this is where the Magic are still figuring out how to play and how to be who they want to be. And 10 games in, this is one of the true struggles for this Magic team. It's figuring out the way that they need to play. That's what we'll talk about here in just a moment. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But first, let's run through the final box score for you. A couple, again, I I, I will say this. I, I do think the magic did good things in this game. There were long stretches, especially offensively, where the Magic did a lot of really good things. And defensively even, they did some nice things. They, they, they did snap to attention defensively for some stretch, especially in that first half when they built as much as the 13-point lead. But the Magic's defensive effort and defensive attention to detail and focus, just and physicality, honestly, I, I really thought that, 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 that physically on the perimeter, the Magic just did not do a good job Making sure Indiana didn't get to their spots. I, I might have iced some of the screens that they were that they were going up against. Um, I know Vooch isn't going to hedge, but I, I've been. I, I know I said in the Memphis in our podcast over the weekend about the Memphis game that I really think Vucevic needs to step up his line. I, I think he's setting too deep of a line on his drops, and he needs to be uh, in more in a better position to challenge these kinds of mid range shots. And that adjustment just never came throughout the game. Again. Vucevic's hands were down. I don't think he contested shots very well. And, you know, he's got a reason to be a little bit scared. He's, he's got to stay in contact. But, like, DeMontis Sabonis is a, is a stretch five. Uh, he, he's not crashing the lane a lot. So I think Vucevic could have been a little bit more aggressive with his pick-and-roll coverage. Um, but just, again, that's, that, it, that's such a big thing in this game. Nikola Vucevic, though, had an interesting game. 18 points, 17 rebounds, 8-for-17 uh, shooting. Um, I thought offensively he did fine. The Magic have done a good, be- better job establishing him in the paint, establishing him in the post to get him easy baskets. And again, that's a, that's an area where the Magic need to turn to 
when their offense is struggling. I really think Orlando does not do a good enough job just when their offense is struggling, when they're struggling to even get movement. Instead of using him in the high post and looking for cutters, get him in the paint, get him across screen into the paint, get two feet in the paint, let him go to work in the paint, let him go to work there. You know, that it's it, players can move and cut off him. The that'll cause the defense to collapse. I really think the Magic need to find a way to rely on Vucevic more when their offense is struggling. I think that that is a big thing that the Magic aren't using enough. They've started using it over the last two or three games, and I think you're seeing the results offensively. Vucevic is starting to put up um, offensive games that are more reminiscent of what we expect from Nikola Vucevic. Uh, so I, I, I would say his early season malaise feels over. He shot two for five from beyond the arc, so he's starting to make threes again at a decent clip. Um, his early season malaise, I think, is coming to an end. I think he's starting to look like the player that that we know. Now, is this the all-star level Nikola Vucevic? I don't think we've seen him reach that level yet. That level may still come, and when that comes, I think the Magic will be more than fine. I, I think I'm pretty much on record saying that I don't think I'm not in panic mode over the Magic. I think that they're giving away games they need to win. Don't get me wrong. They need results, but Overall, I think that the Magic are still kind of rounding into form, and it, it stinks that it's taken some regular season games to get there, and it's cost the Magic some wins. And in a tight Eastern Conference, you know, the losses the Magic have taken right now could be the difference between a five seed or a six seed and an eight seed, or barely, or barely getting in, or not even getting in. So these games do count; these games do matter. But Orlando's still figuring themselves out. I think Vucevic is starting to round in form. Tonight was a good example of that. Although, again, I think his defense certainly could improve. I thought his offense was was perfectly fine. Evan Fournier, the hero of the night, though. 22 points, 7 for 13 shooting, 6 for 8 from beyond the arc, 6 assists as well. Uh, I think Fournier, Fournier's three-point shot was going in. So that's the first place to start. Um, you know, he missed a couple late uh, when, when the team was trying to get back, but he did a really good job just being patient at the three-point line. Got himself open looks. Um, didn't really have to do off the dribble to get open looks, but did a good job kind of sidestepping uh, closeouts and getting himself open looks for threes and burying them. That's something the Magic have desperately needed. And frankly, the Magic make 15 three-pointers in this game. This is not a game the Magic can lose. This, the, the fact that the defense was so bad, if the defense was anywhere near the level that we've come to expect this defense to play at this season, the Magic win this game and win it easily. But again, Orlando just, just did not seem super engaged, super physical defensively, and, and Evan Fournier was a part of that problem. As good as Evan Fournier was offensively, and I think he was very good, I think um, he's gotten a lot better over the last few games of knowing when to pass uh, on his drives. I don't think he's driving as deep. I don't think he's got the same kind of tunnel vision that he might have had earlier uh, in the in the season. But I think that, uh, uh, you know, Fournier's shots come around. He's been the most consistent offensive player. He had, he said, maybe one or two bad offensive games this year, and I think that's, that's expected. If he has... Five good offense, you know, solid offensive games to two bad offensive games. I think that's what you can expect from Evan Fournier. But defensively, I thought he was just he was the biggest culprit to me of, of the Magic's poor defense. Um, Demontis Sabonis is a good screener, so don't get me wrong. I, I, I think it was a tough chore, and Malcolm Brogdon's playing very very well. But Fournier consistently got caught on screens over and over and over again, just right in the chest of Sabonis was unable to get around them, and that left Vucevic on an island. Uh, and, I, and it wasn't just Fournier. I, I think Aaron Gordon got nicked on a few screens, guard chasing T.J. Warren. Um, I think, you know, Marco Fultz tends to wander defensively. I, I, don't, I don't think he's always paying attention defensively as much as he should, although he can be a very good defender. D.J. Augustine got eaten up on a lot of screens as well, um, and that's why T.J. McConnell had such a good game. A lot of Orlando players struggled with the screens, and that forced, you know, the centers onto an island where, you know, they're dropping. They're doing their job. If you... 
watch these games and you notice that that players are coming around screens and there's no one in front of them and the center's kind of standing back, that's frankly by design. The Magic do not hedge their bigs. They let them drop. They want them to drop and protect the paint. They want to give up that mid-range jumper, like I said, but the key is to contest it, and that's where Vucevic struggled. But the other key to that defense is the guard has to get around the big man, has to get stay on his guy's hip if he can, and contest those shots and make those shots harder. Evan Fournier did not do that at all. Vooch was in the right spot, maybe a little further back than he should have been, didn't contest. So it was a breakdown on both ends of the pick-and-roll defense to me, and that's why the Magic struggled in this game because both ends of that pick-and-roll defense did not do their job. Um, I thought Fournier just was not good guarding Brogdon. Uh, And again, when the Pacers did get in the paint uh, and they didn't take that mid-range jumper, they were able to get toward the basket and... You know, force force help side, which which did come. You know, I think the Magic did good good on help side, but that got the ball moving, and, and the Pacers were very crisp and together, and, and just had a surety about what they were doing, uh, and that got them open jumpers as well. So again, you can kind of see the difference between two teams here. The Indiana Pacers are very comfortable with how they have to win. They've come together really really quickly, a lot quicker than I think a lot of people expected. You know, Orlando has been slow coming together like this. You, you their ball movement isn't as crisp and and comfortable as as you would think, and you know, I would argue if you look at Indiana's list of wins, you know, they've beaten Detroit. Orlando's probably the best team they've beaten so far, but this is a good team that, that's really figured out how it needs to play to win. And again, we'll talk about here in a moment that that's not something the Magic have done quite yet. Orlando's getting plenty of scoring, though. So 13 points from Aaron Gordon, 5 for 10 shooting. Jonathan Isaac with 10 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 4 for 9 shooting, kind of a quiet game for Isaac. He did make some good defensive plays, but... Um, you know, didn't roam around as much as maybe he would otherwise. Again, Indiana did a good job kind of keeping him on the weak side and hitting those mid-range numbers to kind of neutralize what Isaac was doing. Uh, DJ Augustine, 8 points, 4 for 10 shooting. Markel Fultz, a nice 8 points, 4 for 7 shooting in 24 minutes. 4 assists as well for him. Magic operated really well with him on the court. There are fair questions about whether Fultz should play a little bit more. Uh, I think those questions are fair. Uh, I, I think it's very clear that starting him has been the right decision decision so give Steve Clifford credit for that but right now it does seem like uh, it was Clifford was asked this after the game it does seem like the magic have a have health concerns and so they're not ready to ramp up Fultz's minutes to kind of starter level minutes yet so I would I would expect him to continue splitting his minutes with DJ Augustine 50-50 for the time being I think the magic are still kind of eyeing Fultz making sure his conditioning's fine making sure he can get through the entire season I think Steve Clifford has a sort of long-term approach to this season with his rotations. And, and I think that's that's frustrating Magic fans. I think it is costing the Magic perhaps some opportunities at wins, um, like it did last year, honestly. I, I don't think this is anything new with, with Clifford, but we'll, we'll, we'll maybe talk about that coming up here in a future episode. Uh, Mo Bamba, I thought, actually had a nice game. Five points, four blocks, two for seven shooting. Um, you know, the shooting's still not there. I think he still fumbles the ball a little bit, but... He's gotten a little bit better on the glass. I think defensively, he's a little bit better. You know, not maybe where you want him to be. Um, and then he's active on the on the board and active blocking shots. And I think that's really important for him. I think he's slowly regaining some confidence. And, and his last couple games, I've been really pleased with Mo Bamba and his progress. Um, Terrence Ross back back in the lineup after a two game absence with knee tendonitis. Twelve points, five for six shooting, two for three from beyond the arc. Made his first four shots. So a really nice game for Terrence Ross. It looks like. The time off, off his, off his leg, off playing, off practice, rejuvenated him a little bit, got him a little bit more healthy. So he's coming off his screens clean, 
was hitting that shot pretty well and back in rhythm. So I think a, a really good showing for Terrence Ross, uh, probably one of the few players that you could objectively say really played well in this game. But uh, obviously some of that is just he's coming back to work. Orlando ends up shooting 46.1% from the floor, 15 for 36 from beyond the arc. Probably still a few too many three-pointers. I, I, I thought this last year that the Magic's target number should be 30 attempts. Um, you shoot a little bit more than that. I, I think you're starting to settle for three-pointers. And I do think in that third quarter and really in the fourth quarter, even the second half, um, the Magic settled for three-pointers way too much. They didn't do a good enough job getting getting into the paint and forcing kickouts and forcing the defense to rotate. Settling for three-pointers is going to be this team's bane. They do think they're good three-point shooters. I think they are better three-point shooters than what they've shown this year and maybe even to some extent what they showed last year. But they cannot settle for those three-point shots. They got to get good three-point shots. They will make quality three-point shots. It's the bad three-point shots they have to avoid. And I think that's what that's the trap they fell into in the second half. So 36 is a little more three-pointers for my liking that if they're making 15 three-pointers, they're going to win more of those games and they lose. And, and again, this is it, it's frustrating that after a season where they haven't been able to hit from the outside, they finally hit from the outside and they still drop the game because the defense wasn't where it needed to be. Orlando only commits 10 turnovers. They have 12 blocks in this game. So I, I, I will keep saying it. You know, blocks aren't always a sign of good defense, but this Magic team does a lot of things well. They do a lot of good things. They're giving themselves chances to win these games. They just, they're just not putting all the pieces of the puzzle together consistently to win these games. And that's the frustrating part. That's really where this team is, is struggling so much, and that's where they need to find a way to play. And, and, and again, so that's what we'll talk about here once I finish going through the numbers. Indiana shoots 52.2% from the floor, 9 for 20 from beyond the arc. They're not a heavy three-point shooting team. In fact, the Magic and the Pacers are the two lowest three-point teams. and They make the fewest three-pointers three in the NBA. So interesting that there, was, that there wasn't a lot of threes. Um, actually, in this game, some history made. The team's combined 11 free throw attempts were the fewest in an NBA game. The Pacers took five free throws. The Magic took six. A little discouraged by that, actually, because Orlando done a really good job getting the foul line over the last two, three games. Um, I'd like to see that trend continue. Uh, so today, a little bit of a setback there. DeMontis Sabonis with 21 points leads the way for the Pacers. Malcolm Brogdon with 19 points, eight assists, six rebounds, four turnovers as well, but um, did a really good job distributing the ball. TJ Warren with 19 points as well. Doug McDermott off the bench with 18 points to, for the Pacers as they get a whole host of offense and a whole host of, of good shots throughout the game, and, and Orlando was really struggling to stop them. The Indiana Pacers defeat the Orlando Magic 109-102. The Orlando Magic are back in action on Wednesday at the Amway Center as they hit the midpoint of this five-game homestand against the Philadelphia 76ers. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You'll hear Steve Clifford say from time to time that the Magic have a way they have to play. They have a way that they, that they have to execute and focus in on if they're going to compete and win. He'll often say, we're not a team that has 
the ability to give the ball to a guy and say, go get a shot. That's not who this team is. And we all know that's not who this team is. There's no superstar player. I would argue that you might be able to do it with Nikola Vucevic in the post, even though the post is a relatively inefficient area to score. But I do think that, you know, if the team is stuck offensively, that that is certainly something the Magic should try a little bit more when the team is struggling, just kind of slow things down. And it's tougher because it's the bench usually that's struggling, so you can't just dump it into Vucevic when he's out of the game. But when the bench is struggling like that, I, I do tend to think that I do tend to think that that's an area where the Magic could uh, find some improvement uh, or, or could find some easy points. But the basic point of it is this team's offensive identity isn't going to be based off of one player or 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 the or, or everyone revolving around one player. The Magic, in order to win games, in order to succeed offensively, have to do what they did in the first half. They have to move the ball. They have to get in the paint and kick out and then get back in and kick out or move the ball around the horn or cut and move and find ways to stretch the defense without the benefit of a one-on-one player. This isn't, you know, Damian Lillard where you run a pick and roll, he gets in the paint and creates for everyone. This is, you know, Markel Fultz gets in the paint, kicks out to Evan Fournier who drives, kicks out to Aaron Gordon who dishes it to Jonathan Isaac in the corner for three, or, you know, DJ Augustine running a pick and roll with Nikola Vucevic, feeding it to Vucevic who fakes a post up and kicks out to the corner to Aaron Gordon for three, or Evan Fournier on the wing for three. It's that kind of interplay, or even kicking the ball into Vucevic uh, on the wing, doing setting up a high-low with Aaron Gordon, or running a dribble handoff to Fournier, having him curl around and finding Aaron Gordon cutting to the basket. The Magic have to essentially manufacture double teams, manufacture holes in the defense, and what's been difficult this early part of the season has been that the Magic shooting has gotten so little respect, has been so poor, that even when they do do all this, they're missing those shots. But when the Magic are able to get good looks, they're missing them. But teams are letting are crowding the paint and preventing those doubles from happening, from those opportunities from happening. It's real tricky. It's been real, real tricky for this Magic team to break free. They're starting to figure it out. But you can still see how inconsistent it all is. To most fans, they would say that the way the Magic need to play is to speed the game up. Get out and transition as much as possible. And, and I think to some extent that's fair. I think I've started to go on the, in the other direction. I think the Magic should slow the game down. Break when you can, but slow the game down and really get through the pace of your offense. Settling for quick shots and you know the first thing that, that, that pops in, I don't think that's going to do it for this team. But no matter how you feel this team should play, no matter how anything else goes, the Magic just haven't played the way they need to. The Magic haven't found the consistent formula they need to win. And this struggle 
permeates itself everywhere with the team. With the way Steve Clifford has set up his rotations and has tried to find combinations that work, that, that plays the way that he thinks they need to play, that gives the team the balance that it needs. But they, they just they haven't found a consistent way to attack, remain confident, and score. For getting into what this team's identity is, it is all about defense. The Magic are and should be one of the best defensive teams in the league. Sunday notwithstanding, the Magic have been bonkers defensively, and that's kept them in a lot of games that their offense has struggled to keep them in and certainly have failed to finish. Sunday is the lone exception where the offense carried the Magic through, and you could see how relying on that offense led to more inconsistency. And so this problem has left Steve Clifford struggling to begin pulling the levers, struggling to begin finding ways to to get this team moving in the right direction. Clifford is a patient, big-picture coach. He is a foundation builder. So, I know it's frustrating, but I don't sense that he panics over these early season losses as much as fans might. Because right now, for him, it's about finding the right guys that will help the Magic play the way they need to. Right now, it's about experimenting a little bit, but it's about getting the team at a level where they're consistent. And 10 games in, the Magic are not there. Within this game, just Sunday, they looked brilliant for a half and listless for about a quarter and a half. That was enough for them to give away a 13-point lead, a 9-point halftime lead. Slowly but surely, this team will either figure out the way it needs to play to win or they're going to struggle like they did at the beginning of last season. Orlando did find that way to play last year. It took Clifford a while to find the right combinations and the right rotation and get the right comfort fit for this team to get there. But they will find a way. Or they'll sink. But they can't still find a way. The season is very far from over. But the team has to find its way. It has to be committed to that way. It has to stay with it. And they can't get frustrated if the shots don't fall. They can't get frustrated if things aren't, if they're not getting the results, as long as they get the process. Because, the, again, the process, playing that way, will more often than not result in victory. What they can't do is do what they did Sunday night. Where all that ball movement, all that beautiful spacing, died. There's no off-ball action, no off-ball movement. Uh, players weren't getting, weren't rubbing into picks properly. A lot of aimless dribbling without purpose. Everything in this Magic offense has to have purpose. Has to be done with purpose. Has to be done intentionally. 
There's very little room for kind of straight improvisation off the dribble. If you're taking a dribble drive, it's got to be done with an explicit purpose and quick. It's got to be done to get the defense to react because, you know, outside of Markel Fultz, who's getting to the basket off the bounce with this team? Finding that way to play. Once the Magic unlock that, as they did last year, is going to benefit this team. And, you know, honestly, who knows? Maybe the Magic have unlocked some of it. Because, again, they've looked really good offensively the last three games now, for the most part. No one's expecting this team to be a top 10 offense. At this point, maybe no one's expecting them to be a top 15 offense. All they got to be is good enough because the defense will carry its weight most nights. It it didn't tonight, but it, it will carry its weight most nights. And once the Magic discover this way to play and you combine that with the defensive intensity we know this team can play with, then this team will make its run. But right now, the Magic are a bit lost in the wilderness offensively. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places now on podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. Though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.